Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name is Alan. I'm Josh. And guys, we are here. We also have two people with us, ladies. Will you introduce yourselves? Michelle and Zoe. So we are back. Alan and Michelle are here. Joe, Joe, Josh and Zoe are here. I just combined your all's <laughs> names. Sorry. And then uh, I'm over here. I get to kind of play host this week. And so we're super excited. How's everybody doing? Doing great. Um, Guys, I do want to say this. So not only are we allowed to be back together this week, um, but also someone felt so blessed to give us some upgrades. And so we're so excited. Yeah, so we've got sound effects. We've got everything. You won't have to hear me go, ah, anymore. Uh, We probably won't use a lot of sound effects, but I I think they're fun. Um, So, yeah, we're going to continue our family um, structures. I do want to say something, actually. um, And I meant to say this earlier. earlier. Um, I think it's worthy. I know we've talked about this, but I think it's worthy enough to bring back up. Um, You know, I saw MacArthur released, uh, I think it was his Sunday pulpit sermon, And I think it was titled, Church Should Be Open. Um, And so I want to encourage you guys, um, if you do attend Watson's and maybe you haven't been here, maybe um, the COVID still has you a little scared. I just want to encourage you that you've heard this verse, but, you know, we we don't have a spirit of fear, you know. Uh, But also the church is open. We are taking sanitation, you know, all all we're taking things so serious. But I also just want to let you know um, that Facebook church is great. You know, I love that we have that as a tool. But, you know, don't forsake the assembling of the people, of the church. Um, We're seeing people saved right now. And I'm telling you, if you haven't been back to church, I I want to encourage you to come join us. If you go to another church, uh, I want to encourage you to um, go back. I I mean, literally, the church needs to be open right now. Absolutely. And the Spirit of God's moving. Uh, He's uh, blessing. Uh, He's saving. And again, when we... uh, in our in our communities and our in our in our uh, uh, jobs and our schools and uh, that hope that comes from only through God and His providential power, uh, the church uh, is alive and well, and uh, we want to encourage you to come visit us. If you if you've been out for a long time, uh, again we're not we're not casting judgment upon you for not being in church. Uh, but we miss you, and we want to see you come back. Absolutely, and it's it's just been really encouraging because we've been seeing people show back up um, lately, you know, maybe people that have been sick, people that haven't been able to come, but also we've been seeing visitors show up, and so we're just super excited, you know, what the Lord has in store for our church, but, you know, there are other fellowships out there right now that I know that the Spirit of the Lord is just moving with them just as anyone else, and so um, go to church, guys. I really want to encourage you, and if your church is still closed, you know, call your leadership and, and talk to them if you feel burdened about opening up because it's just something worth talking about right now. In the midst of this world and all the stuff that's being offered, man, the church needs to be that beacon of light um, to the world right now, that hope, and so um, we're going to continue. Let's go into our introduction. So we've got a question that was sent in by Bree. McLemore, so Bree, we are so um, excited that you sent that in, and also, uh, you know, it won't be McLemore forever, it's going to be Huntsman this next year, so congratulations, uh, I love Bree and Cody, they're amazing, but she sent in um, a question, and it's kind of in three segments, but I'm going to read this first one, and I, and I think we're going to be able to kind of discuss everything that she's written by this one part. And it says, is it still considered a sin if one only thinks about committing a sin slash action, but does not go forward with the sin slash action? Then she says, the Bible says being tempted is not a sin. So where is the line between temptation 
and where the thought has now become sin. So uh, just to kind of put this in more of a a general term, um, you know, she's wanting to know, you know, when your mind starts to ponder maybe the wrong direction or you see something you shouldn't see, or maybe you have a thought of, I should do this, at what point is it considered sin if it's a sinful temptation? Um, So I think we've all kind of got the same verse, so who wants to read it? I can I can read it. Go ahead, Josh. Um, we'll be in James uh, 1, 13. It says, So let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man be uh, is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. So that's um, that's James what he's talking about, the temptation. And I think the one of the things that you said is when does that change? Um, for me, I think it's with the point that we will come into temptation and we're going to have it in, in front of us. And I think it's at that moment that we make that decision to, to set it aside, to not indulge in it. Um, but the other thing, too, is that we got to be mindful of is that that temptation is not something that we continuously dwell on. Um, is I think at that moment, you know, so like say for instance, anger was our temptation. We were tempted with anger. Um, if we continually, every time we're in that situation, continually react or have the same thought, that is something that we're bearing with us. Exactly. And not even in a difference. Maybe Satan's bringing the exact same thought up continually. Yes. And it's reoccurring in your brain and you can't get away from it. Uh, man, we, we talk about this scripture a lot. But if you go on through James, it talks about the, the fact that if you uh, – uh, well, just read it here. It says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Verse 7, chapter 4. Uh, resist the devil. He'll flee, he'll flee from you. Yes. So we know that the ability to not sin is available to every Christian. Yes. We have that ability. So the Bible also warns about, you know, don't commit murder. Jesus said, well, you've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. Well, it also says, how many have been mad at your brother without a cause? Yep. You've killed him, basically, yes. you know. And, and it says, thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, how do you look on a woman and lusted and you've already is the committed the act in your heart? So now one thing that we've already started the conversation on is, uh, is it a sin to get upset? No. The Scripture teaches that you be angry and sin not. Right. You can do it. Is it a sin to look at a woman and, and instantly think she's attractive? No, but we've used this analogy a couple, three times in Sunday school to say that how long I look, yes, how long I let that the thought dwell, in, and how long how long I entertain that thought, how long I meditate on that yeah. thought. At some point, if you're saved, the Holy Spirit's going to prompt your heart and say, "Hey, hey, big boy, yeah, you need to." That's not appropriate. Right. It's not. The, the pastor's job, it's the hunter's job, it's not Josh's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to tell me, hey, you, you're getting close to that line, that warning, that way of escape that the Bible always talks about when in the, in the, in the hour of temptation will also provide a way of escape. Yep. It's up to us to then choose that way of escape and not to sin. Well, uh, and, and I kind of want to, you know, I was thinking about the word desire, and I, I think that's key to this. You know, before I ever, you know, thought of James um, chapter 1, in the verses that Josh read, I was just thinking that, you know, the uh, sin has to have, um, to commit a sin, you have to have a desire for it. Um, because desire, I mean, we just read, you know, when when it says desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. So there's an action that's occurring. Um, I mean, 
I don't think I'm going to have to go into conception in here. I'm not going to – yeah, I'm just not going to do that. I think we're all mature enough to know what that means. But it's an action that occurs, and then it gives birth to sin. So it's an action that has a result. Um, and so, you know, when – like Alan said, and um, you know, if you're driving down the road, you're driving down the highway, and you see, you know um, – I'm trying to think of – a lady, I'm not going to try to make up a name because it might be somebody's. <laughs> I mean, you see a lady that's running, you know, maybe running around in clothes that she shouldn't. You know, if I see that, okay, so I can see that, and w- w- what are my options, right? I can look away and say, nope, not doing it. Or I can let a desire take over, and yep. I can keep looking. And then next thing you know, then that's going to conceive more thoughts then the sin will be produced out of that, and then that sin leads to death. Now, obviously, you know, I might not die on the spot, but death is a word that brings negative things. So, yes, it can mean, um, you know, physical death, but there's also spiritual death. Um, I like to think that, you know, if someone, for the wages of sin is death, you know, it's going to end in that physical death, but I like to think that when you commit sins, it's going to bring bad things. It's going to bring repercussions, things that are like death, it's going to bring evil upon you. Um, And so, you know, I I think that word desire really plays a key part in this of when does it actually become the sin? Um, When you let that thought linger too long, and then the desire takes over, and then it conceives, the sin is produced, and then death follows. But I want to bring this up too, because Alan said this, and I've always just wanted to talk about this. So, you know, at what point, you know, a lot of people will talk about um, in the, you know, when we're tempted that the devil, he, he's throwing thoughts, and he's in our minds. So I want to talk about that for a second. As a Christian, you know, when you think about Satan and his fiery darts, you also know about that, you know, Christians can't be possessed, right? Because we're, we're people of God. We are God's people. Uh, the enemy cannot possess us from within. And so I kind of want to think about and talk about this, like at what point, how, how can the enemy, how can he get us? Because we know he can't possess us. We know he can't possess our minds, but what tactics, how, how can he use, you know, David said, I will let no wicked thing before my eye. So, I mean, what can the enemy do to trip up the Christian? So when we, when we talk about this concept of uh, spiritual sanctification maturing, and we're going to get into that a little bit in today's today's uh, uh, lesson about, uh, you know, uh, raising children. When we're saved, we're like that baby in Christ, and this we grow, we get off that milk and onto the meat, and we start maturing. A very good indicator that you're maturing in Christ is when you start proactively rejecting Satan, and you start recognizing early on his tactics and his... uh, And then... Satan's no quitter, and he's no pushover. What he'll, what Satan will do, what I've learned is, he then starts to modify his approach, yeah. and it'll be a, it'll be a more subtle approach, and he'll, he'll try to just uh, maybe uh, tell a half truth or a white lie or uh, just a little portion of uh, uh, fabrication to get you to uh, compromise your beliefs, and uh, that early recognition of the, the, the warning signs of the Holy Spirit saying, "Man, you need to straighten up." It's so key for a Christian to adhere and listen and obey the Holy Spirit because I mean, I've said this, and again, I, I, I sometimes I use strong, rough language, but my my dad always told me that plain talk's easiest understood. Yes. When you hear of a, a man that's caught up in the act of adultery, yep, 
man alive, it's horrible, and it's painful, and it, it tears families apart, and it tears churches apart, right? But how many times has that person ignored the prompting of the Holy Spirit before they ever wound up in the sack? Absolutely. And that's a, that's a, that's a key point because it's a starting process. They started long, long time, before that. Long before it ever got there. It started with a hello or something. And that, that was where that temptations came in. So somebody made an exchange, man or woman, made exactly. that exchange. Yeah. And they that and then they started entertaining that idea. Yeah. And then that's but the, so with that process though, they started here. And now they ended now look, up, yes. Now look where we're at. And each time there was a little bit further of a line moved out, you know, their, their line of, you know, I would not absolutely not do that, which is a huge difference between the first temptation being, you know, hey, I, I, would you be willing to have an, an extramarital affair? You know, the, the person would be, oh, no, I'm, that's not me. Yeah. But that's not how it starts. It's not how and it starts. And that's not how, that's not how not the how devil does the greatest work is that little bit, just yeah. that little bit of movement. And that, 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 again, go back to chapter 4, verse 7. It's so important. Yeah. Man, so important. Submit, yeah. submit yourself to God. Yes. Resist the devil. And, the, I mean, and, and even going, I, I, I want to bring something up, too, because when, when I was going over this question and I was thinking about it, um, the one thing, too, to be mindful of is that we, so we have this problem. Let's say, you know, we, we, we used the analogy earlier of seeing an attractive woman. If that is a daily or multiple time a day occurrence, that that thought is running through our head, that's more than just us being tempted yeah. a thousand times. That is a little bit of us in our a sinful state. Yep. Yeah. And I often have uh, actually, like I said, when I was thinking about this and reading the question, I was thinking about some of the stuff that I struggled with, especially after becoming a saved mm-hmm. Christian. And big stuff was addressed first. And as time progressed, you know, the more and more that of change that yeah. I made in my life due to conviction. But I was thinking, you know, some of them were easy. Some of them, like, I'm done with this, and it was, that's it. And then others were not so easy. And that's where I was thinking about it today. And, you know, one of the things that I think is highly or is is greatly overlooked in today's time and you don't really hear people talking about it or teaching on it and that is prayer and fasting in unison together and that's because they at what point though does i mean when david was losing his child he went into a fast he sure did yeah sure did and because the reason was is because it meant enough to david to burden himself, to set it aside. I mean, the thing, the beautiful thing about a fast is, and, it, you know, I know a lot of people immediately think of a fast as, you know, a strict guideline. Basically, you can fast with numerous things, and all it is is becoming a dependency upon God yep. and upon Christ. That Whatever that is that you have in your life that you are dependent upon, when that moment comes of that temptation, you set yourself aside and say, Christ, take this from me. Yeah. Then depend on um, depend on him. You know, and that's the thing about it. When we get to that sinful state and we have a sin that is a problem in our life that we can't do it. Yeah. And we can only go through him. At that moment, then we have to be able to get to that place of prayer. It's a dependence. Yes, and I'm not, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to open up another topic that could probably be an entire topic, yeah. p- podcast of, in itself. But when you when you talk about the the uh, the pruning and the and the, the the things that are being brought to your attention that are some of them are hard, some of them are difficult, some of them are easy. Yes, 
the the attention that the Holy Spirit puts on things in my life that makes me more godly should be valued. Uh, lots of times I find myself in a place of, and it's another tactic of Satan, in, in, a, in a place of uh, satisfaction and contentment in my development and I'm good and sin don't bother me as much as it used to or sin don't offend me as much as it used to and I get spiritually numb and that's that's again that uh, Christians if you're listening that's a warning sign of a backslidden condition where yes. your heart's getting hard and you're getting indifferent and, yes and, and again we're not going to where it's even, not even coming in it's the not effect. A, it, it, yeah it, i have no desire to prune things from i have no conviction right. and i'm so good way i I'm am good to where i am yes and uh, again that's a dangerous slippery slope to be on where folks are you know they're just at ankle deep and we're, we're satisfied well, with that and I, I was even thinking you know um you know temptation is something that occur- i mean like if someone puts pie in front of me or cake and says don't eat it right and then i sit there and look at it and i'm like "Mm, man that looks good i really want that cake and it's just sitting there and it's prying at me it's tempting at me so i have a choice right it's either i walk out of the room and i walk away and i don't eat that cake or i eat it okay so when first john says if we confess our sins it doesn't say confess temptations it says confess sins because sins are verbs to me because it's committing an action, action. that is against God. Yes. It doesn't say commit temptation. Temptation's a scenario mm-hmm. where you have a choice to either sin or not sin. And so Brie gave it, she actually gave us an example, which is pretty cool. She said, it, here's the example. And she's not talking about herself. This is just an example. If I'm angry with someone and there are harsh things that my flesh wants to say, and it definitely crosses my mind, almost even slips my tongue, but I don't say anything. Did it mean anything to God that even though I thought about it and was very tempted to speak, I still chose to hold my tongue? So she's wanting to know. She gave us that example of, you know, she has uh, that thought that comes to her mind to sin, right? To say something, it's there, it could come out, but she chooses that not make, to. What does that, she's wanting to know, what does that mean to God in that moment? Does that, that mean that she's sin? That, or, I mean, that means God, God knows. God knows. That makes her human. That makes, yes. that makes her, the, the, the battle with the flesh that we all Well, that's fight. a that's an example of any process of hey, sanctification or sensitivity yeah, of the Holy Spirit exactly. that he said, because there's something within you that's saying, I shouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, it's bearing witness with our spirit, yeah, that we, we belong to him. So go, go ahead, Alan. And, and even you. examples in the Bible where they, 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 uh, they're wanting God to bring fire and brimstone down on their enemies and, yes. and wipe them off the face of the earth. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Shall we call down yeah. fire yeah, from yeah. above? Yes. Yeah. yeah, just because of that inner fleshly desire to see vengeance yeah. and those are things that God takes care of. So I, I think that just because that thought hits my brain, doesn't make that act a sin. Right. I think that makes me human. How right. I respond to that thought is what makes right. it Right. It can become a sinful state. How I respond yeah. to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And by not letting yeah. it turn into verbalization. And again, at this point with this hypothetical situation, if it's going on in an individual's life and they didn't verbalize any hatred, I don't know that sin was committed. Because right. nobody knows, nobody's hurt except the individual. Right. right. And uh, again, if the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of that thought of that uh, uh, almost act, then uh, that's between you and the Holy Spirit to to, to take up on. 
And I and Bree to kind of bring all everything that we've said in, into one sentence, which it's not one sentence; it's these verses. You'll find it in what Josh said, James one fourteen through fifteen. Uh, and then you know it says, and this is the ESV. It says, "But each person is tempted when he is lured." So you don't you don't want to be tempted by something? Well, don't be lured into it. Don't be like David said. Don't let I will let no wicked thing before my eye. Don't be lured. But when someone is tempted and they are lured in, but what happens next? Well, then you're going to be enticed by your own desires, right? So each one of us has a struggle that we struggle with. Um, you know, this is, it could be lust, it could be money, it could be eating. I mean, it could literally be anything, something you struggle with. And so you can be enticed by your own desires, okay? But right here is where you're going to find your answer, Brie. When it says, desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin. So at what point is it considered? sin when the desire is conceived that means an action has taken place you have done it then it is sin and so when you have those thoughts i mean we've already talked about you know submit to god resist the devil uh, you know he would flee you said a verse earlier though do you remember it off the top of your head yeah hebrews four sixteen. um it's okay. It's okay. This is go boldly to the throne of grace so that mm. you can find mercy in your time of need. Absolutely. And, and then Alan said there's a way and escape. And what I love is there's nothing we're tempted by that he doesn't already know yeah. and, and have a plan for. Exactly right. So, you know, when that, th- guys, when that thought comes or that object shows up in front of you, um, I, I guess if there's anything I could say, would run for the hills <laughs> in, mm-hmm. a, in a sense. You know, exactly. turn turn away. Don't let no wicked thing before your eye. I mean, I, I remember, and this is just an example, and I'll talk about myself. At one point, um, I had a lot of social media, like all of them, right? And then I started seeing all these things. I started It started hurting me, and then it wasn't good because I was looking at it too much. So what did I have to do? No wicked thing before my eye. Had to remove that, and then the whole enticing, the whole luring part, yeah, it was gone because I cut off the avenue. Yeah. And, and so, and go like, ahead. Like the, the, the biblical character, uh, uh, Joseph and his coat of Vinico, when he was in the uh, Potiphar's chamber, Is it? <laughs> <laughs> leave it and run, run physically, get out of there. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that. If you find yourself in a place where you know you're weak. When that evil woman tried to corner him. Hey, get get out. See ya. Run. Call the popo. That's what I'd say. See. Just get out of there. Get out. I mean, even like when you think about Proverbs, I mean, uh, her, where was it? It, it paints a picture of, um, it says something about a harlot standing on the corner of the street calling out to a young man. I believe it's in Proverbs. I'm going to look it up next week. I'll have the specific verse. But I remember reading it. I mean, there's just, there's that paints the picture of what Joseph was in. It's like, what do you do? <laughs> well, I'm gone. And you run away. Yep. Um, well, she didn't get the best of him in the end anyway. Exactly so, right. But yeah, Bree, I hope that answers your question. Guys, ladies, does anyone else have anything to say? If I can make one comment. Yes, please. Alan mentioned um, the pruning process. And I would say at that moment, when it's not leaving your mouth, no matter how enticed you are to say it, just the fact you can keep your mouth closed is a perfect example of that pruning process because it has to stop at the mouth before it can stop at the mind, before it can stop at the heart. Absolutely. And so that's a beautiful well, way to look at it. And Cody, Brace, what do you call the guy? It's not fiance, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's fiance. Uh, so never mind. Uh, Cody actually said that when he got saved, like, I think it was like a couple weeks after he went back, you know, and all of a sudden he's like, I started thinking I'd get mad. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, I shouldn't say those words. 
So the the pre- that process was kind exactly. of where he would just keep his mouth closed, and uh, that's that's a good thought right there. You know, I, I think about it's almost like a, a a pipe. You know, it starts at the bottom and it's going to try to work its way up to the point where it's going to explode. You got to cut it off, cut it off. So, um, guys, that was great, Bree. I hope that answers your question. Again, congrats to you and Cody. Um, but we're gonna, hey guys, we're gonna kick off. We're gonna continue with our family structures. This is actually our last segment of family structures. This won't be the last time we'll have Zoe and Michelle on here. We'll get them back on here eventually. Uh, we'll give them a break. They're giving me looks, but um, but today we're gonna talk about children. Uh, you know, the children in the home. But that's also gonna bring in a great topic of parenting. And I think last week we ended on a great note um, to transition it in the home, considering children, considering parents. Um, which is great because we've got two sets of parents here that parented. I've never seen parents parent the same way. They all have different things because they have different children. They have different convictions. They have all these different things. Um, um, so I'm really, like I've been saying the last couple of weeks, I'm really encouraged because I think if you guys will listen today, you'll hear a lot of wisdom. Um, so let, let's kick this off and we'll do it like this. I will throw the, I'll throw it up and whoever wants to take it first can go. And then, you know, the next couple can talk. But then the next question, the next couple will start it. So we'll just, we'll kind of go back and forth. we got about six questions. So this first segment of questions is two. We'll start this first one. Uh, it says, how should children treat their parents biblically? And then another part of it is, how should a child respond to their parents when parents are correcting them? So here, the alley-oops go on up. Who wants to start? We'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Alan and Michelle, y'all got y'all got the court. Go ahead. All right. So, uh, children, as we develop them, you know, and we try our best to raise them uh, on godly principles. Uh, the way that uh, I parent, and the way that my wife parents, I'll let her speak for herself here in just a second. But the way that I parent. I go back to my reference material, which is my parents and the way that I was raised. And uh, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, says when I was a child, I spake as a child. Mm-hmm. And when I became a man, I put away the childish things. So I, yeah. there's a development process there. So, and when my parents were developing me, they understood what was best for me better than I did. And so when uh, we look at development of a child, well, how do we view that child and how does that responsibility fall on my lap? Well, you need to look at how God views children and how God views us. We're all God's children. You know, if you look at the the the, uh, the church in, in that area of uh, development and, and we're his children and that he loves us and he gave his life for us, uh, that sacrificial love uh, is what should be uh, our offering to our children. And the children in turn, uh, sh- should honor their parents and should understand the fact that uh, the scripture we wrote down, I'm going to steal it from you, Michelle, or are you going to use it? You go ahead. Which one would you, would you like? You both can use it. <laughs> so we'll both use it. Uh, Proverbs uh, 1, verses 8 through 9, uh, it talks about, uh, let me get it over where I can read it, I'm sorry. It says, uh my son, hear my instructions of the father, and forsake not the laws of thy mother, uh, for they shall be an ornament of grace on your head and a chain about your neck. So as we, as we teach our kids, and we biblically give them 
foundation and we give them building blocks and we give them mortar and things to build their lives with, that shouldn't be tossed away. It shouldn't be cast aside. And uh, again, I know that there's people in here that have, in our church, that even have wayward children and are praying for their children. Uh, but uh, understand, uh, Bob also talks about that, about training that child up in the way he should go and that when he's old, he won't depart from it. Did you write that one down? Yes. Right, read it then. You just read it. No, I didn't. <laughs> Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. Proverbs 22.6. Mm-hmm. And, uh, again, the, the, the child's response to godly teaching, man, it's not always going to be welcomed. I didn't always like it. You know what I'm saying? I didn't always value it. Mm-hmm. I, I, but there's a lot of times I had no option. <laughs> it was non-negotiable. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think I take that approach to parenting more than my wife does. She's the nurturer. And she's the, she's the, uh, the, the uh, developer. So, Michelle, you can kind of let, – let's look at this second one for you. Um, when, when, when you're correcting your children, so I want you to think back to correcting Joe – and Brittany. Yeah, you better think to Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> Which this will be fun. Maybe we'll hear a story about, I love stories about Joseph Levin. But, uh, like, when, when you were correcting them, I mean, how, how should they respond to you? Now, I'm not asking how they did respond, but how, how should they respond? They should listen and then learn from what we're telling them because, you know, we've been there too, but and learn from our mistakes. Uh, so the nurturing side of my wife, you remember when you, you and Brittany would always interact and you'd always uh, get along with, but when there's, there's times of, uh, tell, tell the story about the, uh, <laughs> we had a, a, a 1991 Mercury. Now this, it was new when we got it because this was in 92. <laughs> uh, gr- charcoal gray. New Mercury Cougar. Mercury Cougar is Slick. very pretty. Hurt your eyes. I went outside and I saw Brittany with a rock riding her ABC, she said. The, I was. It was the same color as the chalkboard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was oh. so mad. I wow. could not, you know, spank her myself because I was afraid I would go overboard with in that. But, you know, and Alan handled that for me. So, so <laughs> and we'll, we bring that topic up because it's, it's, a, it's a, a parenting moment in our life. Uh, not that we took pleasure in, in disciplining our child, but we understood she had no clue. Yeah. She was doing anything wrong. She just thought she was writing her ABCs. She just thought she was writing her ABCs on the chalkboard. Well, that's why it says train. Yeah. It doesn't say that tell your kids and they'll know. It says train them. Right. So she didn't understand that. She didn't understand <laughs> that, but the, the, the explanations come along. Michelle understood that. Michelle understood that. <laughs> She understood very well, and again, <laughs> her she's she's not the disciplinarian, and she's more of the the nurturer. Uh, and I, I accepted the role as the disciplinarian uh, for our children, and I give Brittany a hard time. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and say that Brittany is a, a daddy's girl. She's always been a daddy's girl, uh, and I, I think that because there were times in her life when she did not appreciate instruction, there are times in her life when maybe she didn't agree with our instruction today i can say with certainty she appreciated it yeah she's got a child of her own mm-hmm. and she's doing an excellent job raising it but yet she still feels 
this an appreciation towards us like she to this day she comes to our house at some point she's going to wind up in my lap at 26 years old and daddy's a girl and uh, she loves me and i love her and there were times when you know i wondered if she loved me and i'm sure she wondered if i loved her but the 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 fact of the matter is uh the lessons that she learned that were sometimes taught the hardest way are the ones that she will appreciate the most that's awesome thanks for answering that all right passing it over to the blakes what y'all got so the um with that so here's what i was thinking on this is that we are to train our children we are to teach our children so therefore that is on us and all i think of is when god gave the law he he did it for their benefit it was not for his benefit when he gave them those were his children and he gave them the law and that's what we do as a father and a mother we give our children understanding of the law and then it's a thing where we live it in front of them because too many times it seems that we are at that place of you know this is what you do do as i say not as i do and we can easily tell them exactly what we want from them how to act how to do it but it's ultimately our responsibility to show them to teach them to train them you know i can and I, when i when that train them is what really sits with me exactly i mean i think of it in a job workplace atmosphere and when i first started in my trade if i would have showed up and they'd been like go do this job go trim this house <laughs> how epically i would have failed at it Sorry to interrupt. But you no. ever take a trainer trainer class? Here, but has anybody ever heard of that mm-hmm. trainer trainer? So it's a it's a setup. If you're if you're out there and your boss says hey, I'm going to send you to some developmental training and it's called train the trainer, they'll, they'll take you in a room. They'll set you in there and I say okay, here's bread, peanut butter, spoon. Blah, blah. Right. How do I make a peanut butter sandwich? And me being the Appalachian engineer that I am, I say duh. You put the peanut butter on the bread. Right. And he grabs the peanut butter in the jar and boom, sets it on, sets the- <laughs> on the bread that's still in the bag and crushes it. Yes. And he said, I've done what you told me to. That's not a sandwich. I said, you're right. So the instructions that we give can be as vague in general and hard to find. And then we get mad at our children for not understanding us. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or no. they can be directed out of God's word. Absolutely. And that's the thing, and then and that's the that's the the, the point is Jesus, that we have to train them in God's word, but we have to live it in front of them. Mm-hmm. We have to show them, you know. We like, and I mean, last week or the week before, Alan made the point, you know, that it's it's it's, it's our responsibility. You know, he says he's the first one. Let's go, get ready. It's time. It's Sunday. We're going. You know, that's the responsibility. We have to make that initiative. If we're not making the initiative and we're not training them to seek God. Somebody will train them, and chances are it's going to be of the world. And, you know, our bus ministry and van ministry, these kids that come in, they don't have that godly presence in their home life. They're coming from homes and situations that are broken. So when they come here, 
We are trying to put structure into their life that has no structure. And we get a limited time with them. We got, you know, 45 minutes on the bus. We got approximately an hour here. And then we got 45 minutes on the ride home. So for two and a half hours, we have these children trying to put structure in a life that has zero structure all the way around them. And it makes me think that, you know, because we did make comments, you know, um, both of us last week made comments about our home. You know, me and Zoe had a rough road going, getting to our place of salvation, but we stayed together. There's a lot of homes out there that are broken. Yeah. Single mothers, single fathers, you know, abusive, you know, either verbally, physically. Mm-hmm. And in, here's these children that are watching and observing. If they raise in a home with no dad or no mom or an abusive mom or abusive dad, when they become an adult, that is an atypical relationship. There's nothing wrong with it. That's the way my parents were. That's the way I am. That's the way my kid. And it doesn't stop. And that's the, that's the, beauty, of the, the beauty of Christ and the yeah. salvation of Christ is that we can make that, that change. There's yeah. hope. Yes. There's hope there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so if we are a single mother or that single father or the one that's in an abusive relationship, it's not necessarily the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. Because we're not looking for our situation. That's the beauty of Christianity is that when we follow Christ— our happiness comes from him, yeah. not our situation, not the current circumstance that we're in. So therefore, if we are seeking him, if we are in that abusive relationship, it's okay because, and I'm not giving it clarification or justification saying that that relationship's okay. I'm saying that the state that you're in is okay because you are seeking Christ. And it's the same with these children. I mean, I, I, can't, I couldn't imagine these kids coming in. The, and I, and I, when, I, when I look at them, all I see a lot of the time is fear. And it's not a fear of terror. It's more of a fear of being outed. And I wonder, like, individually speaking, if I was to pull each individually aside and give them a questionnaire, how much different the answers would be one-on-one versus in when I have them in a group setting. Mm-hmm. So then not only that, if they're fearful here at the church because of their peers, and then they have an abusive dad or an alcoholic dad or, you know, a mom that's not there, they go home and they say, Mom, Dad, I I was saved tonight. What do you mean you're saved? We don't believe in that stuff. Don't let them put that in your head. I told you this is why. You know, that's the the resistance that they're getting. We used to have a kid that— she would go home, and she would have to read her Bible in her closet when her parents because weren't around. Of, right, because of the—right. You know, and that's the, what's what they're facing. You know, so then what about these children? Yeah. When they get home, you know, like—and, I mean, if, if there is any children listening to this that is at that place that's like, you're a believer, and everybody around—believe. You know, if you've got to go into your closet to read and study— do it, you know. Because, I mean, down the road, it might not be as when you're a child, and it might be. But there's going to come a time that you can witness to your parents yeah, and, 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 and be a successful witness to them. Maybe not as a child. Yeah. Maybe it is when you become an adult. You know, but that's the beauty of it. Like I said, is that, you know, it's that full dependency upon Christ is what the problem 
or not the problem. That is the solution to our problems is that full dependency. So yeah. no matter what the situation is, and like I said, I just I, I, I was you know we were discussing it. And, you know, like I said, I mean, we had a very broken, but we were together, you know, so there wasn't that. And I can just think, and because I, I do have a f- close friend that is in a bad, bad relationship, and she's always seeking a man. The advice I continuously give her is quit looking for a man. Yeah. Because she's like, well, they need that figure in their life. I was like, so find a a godly or a strong man that has no ties, interest in you, uncle, brother, a friend, a church member, that can be a father figure to this child versus every other dude every other month for the next... A role model. Yes. You can find something. and put somebody in his life that is going to make an impact instead of, you know, hey, this is Tom, this is Bob, this is Joe. They don't need that. Give them that structure in their life. And that's, that's what we, we need is, you know, and, and that's where the church, I mean, I'm going to be a little blunt, and I'm sorry for it, but that's where the church, and I'm speaking of the body of Christ, fails. You know, we are the ones that should be standing up when we see a single mother making ends meet, saying, hey, you know what? I will be glad to take your boys, girls fishing to the church, to step up. So let's go, let's go back to how God views the children. Yes, uh, I've got a bunch of scripture. Over yes, there. let's when, go. When we when we talk to, when we talk about the, uh, the the how God views children, uh, we see that in Jeremiah chapter one verse five it says, "Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you." Yes. Uh, we talk about in Matthew chapter nineteen verse uh, number fourteen it says Jesus said, "Let the little children come unto me and hinder them not, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such." Yes, and. This is Matthew 18, verse 6. It says, But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, uh, it would be better that they had a millstone hung, hung, around around, the, yes. hung around their neck and that they were drowned in the sea. So we see that the children are precious to God. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pitch you one here, Michelle. Are you ready? You ready? Here it goes. Ready? It's, it's a change-up <laughs> coming right, right down the middle. You being the nurturer, when we were married— and uh, talking about children, we didn't know Brittany and Joseph, Mm-mm. but we knew we were going to have children if it was God's yes, will. It's God's will, yes. And talk, talk a little bit about how that uh, you looked forward to being a mother. I remember you made the statement one time uh, that you were looking forward to childbirth. Just to be able to experience that greatness what you know god gave us it's 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 something that my mind could not comprehend because we were in the hospital and didn't look too fun to me <laughs> 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 i figured out what the shoe covers are for oh my yeah, god get, get you a pair of shoe covers they come in handy but uh, the fact that as a, as a as a lady who has a heart's felt desire after carrying that child after after uh, it being a part of you for nine months and then when it comes into the world uh, th- there's something about a change in my wife that I noticed that she pours herself into her children and uh, I know that uh, the Bible talks about a mother's love uh, when we when we talk about being that that source of uh, safety, and I mean, yeah, we train our children. Yeah, we teach our children, but we're also to protect them. 
we're also to make sure they have uh, their, needs their, their needs met. Exactly. So uh, M- Michelle does a, a really good job at some of the uh, things I leave out as far as, you know, because I said so. She does the good job for uh, developing their their character and developing their personality and developing their uh, uh, physical, you know, making sure that they're fed and, and, and clothed and, and taking care of all those needs. And uh, I'm just, uh, you better not do that stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> go ahead, Josh. I was so, if, when it, and I mean, I, like I says, I mean, we, we came to this late in life. And we did not raise our children under a Christian home. But ideally speaking, the, the, the thing is, is that, you know, it says spare the rod, spare the child. So they, children grow at an exceedingly quick rate in the beginning years. That's why they call them the fundamental years, because they are just soaking in all this knowledge. So if we are strict with our child during that stage, and setting boundaries. By the time they get to I, the elementary years, I guess, middle school, elementary, middle school years, that's when all of the questions come. That's when all of the thought comes through these little kids in their minds, and it's 100 miles an hour, and they're out there. And then we get to the stage of teenage years. Most children making that transition from a child to an adult in those teenage years are going to either go wayward or they're going to stay home close based to where their belief and faith is. And a lot of that has dependency upon the parents. Because if the parents are involved with the child in all of their actions, Jesus says that we are to make disciples. Our disciples are supposed to be our, our children as well as those around us. We are just to disciple our children. That means to, I mean, what did Jesus do with his disciples? Did he say, just go do my work and, you know, go? No, he said, follow me. He took them, literally took them by their hand, taught them, walked with them, showed them, explained it to them. And these are what we, so we have a discipline model in the beginning we have a question and answer model in the middle of the life. And then we have a discipleship at the end of their life. When does discipleship stop? It doesn't. It doesn't. Not until we leave. It doesn't. So when we take our child, you know, and that's the, that's the thing that I didn't understand. You know, I mean, I was overwhelmed with joy when my children were born because I had a child. But I never fully understood what it meant to be a parent because I was never a parent. And, you know, I mean, it's kind of a shame, but I do see the beauty of it, why there's so many grandparents that are great-grandparents. And that's because you've made your mistakes raising your children to know where you went wrong, where you went right. And then as a grandparent, you make all those corrective measures to grow and raise your children. So, therefore, when I sit there and I look at my children and the mistakes that I have made, I now see that... It was in the discipleship. It was in the correction, the teaching of questions and answers, and now discipling it. In my measure, my journey is not over. I still, my children are still young, and I'm in that discipleship mode where, you know, but that's the importance of it. So, so hold on. <laughs> Zoe, 
We're, I know you've got something to add to this. We, we definitely want to hear from you. Go ahead. Okay, so what I would want to add to what he said is we did come in pretty later on. We didn't get those younger years where you can instill stuff in a blind trust of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, however, God is good and gracious. Always. And when you commit your life to him, every venue of your life, whether it's the work side, the education side, the home life, every part of your life, if you commit it to him fully, he will bless you accordingly. And I mean, I just, I just can't imagine or even comprehend the amount of change that's happened in our household. And it was nothing of us, absolutely nothing. God has led us into, you know, homeschooling our children. You know, we and that was something God really put on our heart just because of, you know, what's going on in the schools and stuff today. You know, we didn't want them subjected to that anymore. Um, but it was just those little things, I think, are kind of ways he put on our heart so that we could maybe have a catch-up ground, <laughs> you know, because I know we can't get back those years that we mm-hmm. didn't teach them right. But God will multiply his word in their heart during the time he is good and faithful it's never too late to start if your kid is already almost grown and you're like okay i'm going to start trying to be correct biblically according to christ you know it's not too late it's never too late god can do an amazing work and he will do an amazing work if we give him that ability or that space to do it in and so what what i'm hearing from all four of you though and you guys can just short answer this is Parenting is, it's really not about trial and error and opinion. It's about taking the Bible as best as you can and creating a foundation of rules for your home. But it comes from, it comes from your faith, your walk. Yeah. That's the example. Well, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So there is imitation that that has to take place. So, Alan, you were wanting to say something. Go ahead. So we we were, we were talking about, um, the ability to pour in our kids and some maybe started later but the good thing about i think parenting is the phase that we're in now is instead of teaching our children how to be adults now we are trying to teach our children how to be parents and how to um, maybe not make some of the mistakes that we made in child raising And, and i've said it i've said man i wished i was not such a strong hand with my kids because yes. I, I feel like as, as uh, the disciplinarian that uh, maybe I, I was too hard on my kids sometimes. But what, what I really want to instill in my children is that I hope that you have the spine and the backbone to be the disciplinarian when it needs to be done. Uh, maybe don't take the same tactics that your dad took because I know I made mistakes. But understand uh, the children need to know who's in charge, and that's God. Yeah. And I'm following Him. Right. So you better line up and follow me. <laughs> okay. I'd add oh, one thing: um, is that no matter how well you think you're doing or how well you read the Bible on it, you're going to make mistakes. You are. You're going to you get to the end of it, and yeah. you're going to say, "I could have done that better." Yeah. There's always a better way, a and, better time. Well, that's why Hebrews says that you parent to the best of your ability, yeah. to the way that you, you seen that what's right. 
you made the comment about how no two parents parent their children the same. Well, I would even venture to say you can't parent your children the same because oh, they no. are each different, different children. So much. And they don't understand. They want things to be fair across the board amongst each other. But what you don't understand is each child is different. They're going to learn differently. They're going to behave and react differently to whereas maybe a grounding might work for this one, a talk might work for this one, or you may have to pull out the big guns and do a spanking, a grounding, and a talk with this one. You know, I mean, I got all three of those. Right? <laughs> there's always one, and yeah, bunch. it was me. So. I, did, I did two. Um, I want to. We've got about 10, 15 minutes. Um, I want to ask three more questions. Um, one of them's not on the script, <laughs> but two of them are. Uh, so here, here's number one. I, I want to ask this: Is it important to keep your child plugged in to church functions? Absolutely. Yes, it is. What I mean, what what would you say about that? They yes, it, they they need to be plugged into church function. They need to be plugged in to the Bible. They need to be plugged into prayer. They need to be plugged in. The thing about it is, is we we have to occupy our children's times with things that are going to shape them, train them in a way that is of a biblical understanding because the, you know zoe made a comment earlier about us pulling our children out the thing is is that for so many years i let the world raise my children that i was not going to allow it to continue on that's why i chose to pull my children out it was now my time yeah. to raise my children and to train my children into my beliefs the problem is is that for so many years like i said i left it open and that's what the one thing that i do want to say and is that there, it is never too late because, you know, in the beginning, as soon as you make the change, change, I don't care who you are, the age you are, male or female, change is uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. If you're making a change, it's not a comfortable thing. It's going to have, you know, there's going to have pluses and minuses. That's it. With a teenage child or a preteen child, you make numerous changes all of a sudden rapidly, quickly in their life, and they're going to resist. They're going to be like, I don't like this. I don't enjoy this. Um when we first started coming to Watson's Chapel, the children did not want to participate in anything. You know, they're like, I don't want to go. And I'm like, well, that's unfortunate for you because I am your dad and I am not asking you. I'm now telling you you're going. So go there. Be miserable. I'll see you tomorrow or I'll see you this afternoon. Or And one of the first ones was uh, there was a lock-in. And one of my daughters, Lexi, she uh, she's like, I don't want to go to it. And I'm like... Where you're going? I think she sang karaoke that night. Yeah, yeah. and so she, she went. She, she went. No, she, she did went. not. She did not want to go. She was very, ang- ang- uh, I guess, anxious about it. Mm-hmm. You she know, she's anxious. like, I don't have no friends. I don't know anybody. And I'm like, well, then this is how you're <laughs> going to get to know people. That's great. You know. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> into a lock-in. Yes, I'm like, you know, you're getting locked in with them. But tomorrow morning, you'll know them. You know, and she's like, nobody's going to talk to me. It's going to be miserable. I'm going to hate it. And I'm like, well, then just suffer it in misery. You know, tomorrow you'll be okay. They're not going to, you know, do anything. It'll be good. She shows up. Hunter, uh, she gets there. They're like, hey, we got food. She's like, I'm <laughs> already. Story about that. Yeah, she, she's like, I had pizza. And yeah. she knew they were going to have pizza. And she can't, you know. She don't eat pizza. upsets her. So we stopped and got her um Subway, big old sandwich, and, and she can't eat much anyway. She was stuffed. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody felt bad that she wasn't eating pizza. She wasn't eating pizza, Terrible. so they all offered. So they go Wendy's. get drive through. I went and got chicken nuggets. Yes. yes. 
for her, you know, and then he she comes back like, and he's like, here's food. Oh and she's like, I'm still full, you know. <laughs> so then like at 11 o'clock, I guess, or 10 o'clock at night, everybody they shared. Ate the chicken. Everybody they ate did. the chicken nuggets. And, you know, she came back home and she was stoked. You know, she's like, I loved it. It was great. And I was like, see, all this worry. But the, it, it is key. It is key for children to be involved in church functions, to get around people of like minding. The same as it is for us as adults. They need fellowship. Yeah, with their peers exactly. Just as well. Just as much as we as adults. You and know, I mean, the thing about it, competing. we go to work. Right, we go to work, and it's down, down, down. I look forward to coming here on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You know, our Tuesday night podcast. I mean, I look forward to it because you can sit around and fellowship. Yeah. So let me. I'll ask them this one, and then I'm coming to YouTube with this. These next two as well. It's the same questions, but. I mean, let's say same scenario, you're wanting your child to get involved, and they're just like, no, and they don't want to. Or, let's say the child's just wayward. I mean, they're going wild at this point. Maybe they're a teenager, maybe they're 18, 16, 17, and they're just like, wild, they don't want to be involved. I mean, what advice would you give parents that are, maybe they're in that right now, maybe they're not, I don't know. The Consistency. Consistency. Yes, we're doing it. Yes, we're doing it. The consistency, you know, the thing about it is though, you can't fix. You can't fix. If it, this, this is the way I always kind of think of things. If it took three years to destroy it, it's not going to be fixed in three days. It's probably going to take three plus years to repair yeah. it to build it, and that's the thing. So when you know all the damage is done, you have a child that is wayward. If you raised him in church and he has gone wayward, there's obviously an influence that has came into his life somewhere at some point. Absolutely. That has now came into his life, and I would start looking heavily into it. You know, the thing about it is when we first made our change in our home, you know, we said, kids, we're eating at the dinner table. They're like, no, we're not. Yes, we are. Sit down. We're eating it. And I was like, you know, so we all sat there awkwardly looking at each other. It's only awkward for you. We did I love, time it. I love it. What's going on? I love yeah. making my kids uncomfortable. Yeah, you know, and that's, and I mean, that's the thing about it. It, they, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. It was, you know, they just sitting there looking at us, you know, and they're like, we got to do this every night? Absolutely. Every night. And they're like, this is boring. Can I go watch the movie? Ask no. Ask them now how they feel about it. But now, it. I mean, we sit around the dinner table. We get home. We eat dinner. And like three hours, we're all still around the dinner table because we will. I mean, this is this is exactly what we do around our dinner table. Just what we yep. do here. Yep. Josh Talk, had to build cut a up. bigger table yeah. because it's, it's, it was not okay to anyone to sit apart from the table if we had visitors over. And but it's, it's priceless. It, it is, is priceless. When you talk about development yes. and you talk about uh exhortation that's not just for adults that's for everyone yep. and uh, please uh, I, I don't want to leave the impression in anybody's mind i get a little self-conscious when i when i talk that people think that i'm being judgmental or casting stones i know there are some good people in our church that have wayward children yeah and i know they've probably done everything they knew scripturally to raise that child in church mm-hmm. and w- with that said i, I ain't gonna call any names but well, we talked to a young lady that just out of high school, she wanted to move out from her home. And her mom and dad, you know, didn't, of course, want her to because she wasn't Didn't, didn't approve of it. Didn't approve of it. But they let her just to go and make her own mistakes and learn from that. And, and claim the scripture. And claim the, yes. That says that if you train up a child in the way, they in the go, way that they should go when they're old. They will not depart they from it. They will not depart from it. And then 
she did return back home, and she realized, you know, about a year. Took a, yeah, took about a year. Took about a year. Yeah, I, I did that at eighteen. Same same scenario. I came back, remembered everything that I was taught. Mm-hmm. Remembered everything she was taught. Miserable while he was gone. Yes. Missed everything about what their parents had sacrificed and give to them. And the scripture was proven true again. And on the flip side, like I said, not judging anybody or their parent raising or the the, the way that they interpret scripture because uh, I was one of six children and I was the prodigal that stayed home and was bitter and was mad. And, and why does he get the fatty calf? Why is he getting a ring? Why is he getting all of the attention? I've been right here. I've been doing all this stuff. Swelled up. Uh, full of pride, uh, uh, you know, uh, elevated sense of self-worth uh, when really uh, I, 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 I'm nothing and understanding that God's everything. Uh, so uh, if there's somebody out there listening and you've got a wayward child, man, don't give up. Right. Pray. Keep praying. Pray. It's all, it's, pray. That's all the more reason the church is a necessity. Yep. It's a necessity for parents to that source of, of refuge to come to 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 uh, claim God's word, to to believe God's word, to hold on to God's word, and, and uh, the Scripture's true. Yeah, and I, I kind of want to say this, and then we'll go into our last question, um, just because we got about five ten minutes. Um, I don't think a lot of parents real. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But you know, I, I work with our youth here and our students here at the church. And you know, one of our biggest goals as like a youth leadership team is to work with parents. Right. So when kids show up, it's not my goal to instill the parenting side. Now, we do have kids that show up that don't have any structure at home, like Josh has said. So we try our best to get their parents here because if the parents will get right, well, then the house can get right. Yeah. But they're, while they're here, we do try to instill everything we can. But that's one thing that I, I've looked at it is, you know, when you have a church, which this is kind of biased because I work with youth ministry, but when you go to a church that has a youth leadership team, to me, that's just saying, hey, parents, you're not alone. Like, we want to help. We want to come. Because our goal is to come alongside parents, not to be parents, to come alongside them. So, I mean, it's like all of our, the parents that I, I get to communicate with. Um, so, yeah, I do hang out with their, their children, right? Their students. But I also watch how the parents parent. And I'm going to try to mimic that and embrace that. So when their kid might come to me with a problem, what I'm going to say, well, you, you should probably talk to your parent about this if it's something like, you know, if they come and ask me about biblical advice, well, yeah, well, here's this, you know. Uh, but when they come to me, I'm going to remember how, what their parents do at home. And I'm not going to try to be the parent. I'm just going to say, hey, uh, I think you need to go talk to your parents about this because they're, and I know how their parents are trying to parent. So, you know, for us, we strategize for students, but we also strategize for parents because we want to come alongside and equip and help because, you know, I, I'm I'm uh, 23, I, I'm not married yet, and then I don't have kids or any of this, you know, but my our youth leadership team, they've had kids and they've been doing youth ministry for years upon years. So, you know, when we all come together or we have students that need help or we're coming along parents, we're all coming along with like, hey, how, what can we do to assist you? Do you need biblical material for you and your family? Uh, it, you know, if so I've had parents come up to me and say, you know, so-and-so of my children is doing this. 
or this is happening, or they're running around with so-and-so, can you just keep your ears open? Can you keep? Can you help us point them in the right direction? I'm like, yes, whatever we can do to assist parents. So I think there's something huge about keeping your parent, like your kids plugged in. Um, and so for our last question, um, y'all, you know, maybe two or three answers. We've, yeah, we got seven minutes. We're good. Uh, if you, And you've said this already. If there are parents listening to this right now that are like, uh, you know that we we're wanting to do better. We've been trying to do better. What can we? So, what is something that they could start doing right now with their kids to create a more biblical structure in their home? Well, I would start with being together. That would be the biggest thing. You know, read your Bible together, study the Bible together, pray together. But, I mean, the first thing you have to do is put God as a priority in your life and then be consistent with that priority. You have to set those priorities in order and let the children know this is not going to be an option. And then you yourself determine this is not going to be an option. It's not an option to wake up on Sunday tired and say, well, we're just going to skip church because we're tired. Nope, everybody gets up and goes, whether we want to or not. It's just not an option anymore. Mm. And that's... The it's first not, step. It's not an option to fail as a parent. That's Absolutely. right. It's not an option. Right. You don't just get to restart. No, God God gave us a responsibility that yes. we take seriously. Yes. Uh, failing is not an option. So uh, being together, reading your Bible, um, family, family prayer, pray together. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say also, you know, I mean, eliminate some of the worldly distractions, the TVs, the cell phones, you know, make some block of time in the evening where everything's turned off. Yeah, and quiet time. Yeah, and you just spend time together as a family. Talk about what each other did for the day. So here, and um, another question too, and then Josh, start with this question, but go with what you're about to say as well. Um, do you think a lot of like parenting? So like, let's say, well, I've got this, I've got kids, and I'm trying to get things more straight. Do you think a lot of that has to start with the parent before it can really get to the children? Yes, it definitely has to start with. You, you have to be able to fix yourself before you can fix any relationship or anything else. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, if we're not right with God, we cannot have any of our relationships be in a healthy manner. So therefore, you know, as a parent, we have to get ours right first. Then we can successfully start to parent and bring our children. But for the wayward child... Um, the one thing, and then I'm speaking of a wayward child in the home. I'm not speaking of a wayward mm-hmm. child that's, you know, in, living independently. Almost like a rebellious sense right. I'm home. speaking, right, in the home, actually an, a wayward child, a rebellious child in the home. Um, become overbearing um, in, in their life. Um, make it a point to interrupt their lifestyle, you know, to the point to where, like, Dad, you're cramping my style. Be like, well, it's going to get really cramped in here because I'm now part of your life, you know. Um, and like I said, and that can happen at any time. You know, the thing is, is that, you know, a rebellious child, um, and I can only speak from my experience, being the rebellious child was a cry for help, mm-hmm. you know. So, therefore, I was going to make a noise because I wasn't happy and I wanted more attention. So... With that, I mean, like I said, if you have one that's at home that, you know, that's wayward or that's causing a lot of resistance or, you know, I mean, the thing is, is like I said, I was that child. I knew what to say, when to say it, how to say it, you know, to get a reaction. Yeah, kids are smart. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I mean, especially if, you know, if, if they make a comment against your faith when you are being faithful, 
you know, they're going to make a comment because that's what's going to hurt you. We have to be understanding that, you know, at that moment, that's when we go into the, the mode. That it's like, you know, I know it. And I, be bold about it, you know, to reinforce the thing that, you know, one, that you do love them. You know, that mm-hmm. if you didn't love them, you didn't care for them, you would not be chasing them. Yeah. You would not be coming after them. You know, you'd not be trying to draw them in. Um, reinforce the love, like I said, and just become overwhelming in their in the, in their life, in their activities. Become persistently personal. Yes. Is what you're saying. Yes. Like, make that time. For them. That relationship. Yes. And, I mean, that's why, like, you know, parents, you know, I've heard, I've had friends that, like, their parents will just take their door off the hinges. Yeah. <laughs> or they'll do this or they'll do that because they're wanting to be like, hey, you know, we, you're see, not gonna get- we see what you're doing. Get creative. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Alan, Michelle, do y'all- so if if you're and I want I want to throw this from a, a different uh, angle, if you're out there and maybe you're newly married and you're not a parent, but uh, you're praying someday that God will give you children, uh, absolutely take advantage of the time that God blesses you with to get versed in Scripture and understand that uh, children are a blessing from God. Michelle, will you read that scripture for me, please? Psalms one twenty seven five. Yep. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Back up, get that verse. Another one. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Yep. So the uh, the fact that God blesses us with children, uh, and, and again, uh, if you're uh, maybe engaged or you're recently married and you're thinking about uh, uh, having children. And alive, understand it's an awesome, awesome opportunity. It's also an awesome, awesome responsibility. Yeah. And uh, I thank God for my kids. I know I talk, I mean mouth them a lot, but I love my kids. They're good kids. And they're, we, good, they're good kids. Listen, and I, I for our listeners out there, I have students that listen to this podcast, and I want you to soak this in um, and understand that these may not be your parents, but these are parents. And they're talking about how – they love their children, and I. If I know one thing, that our students that go here, their parents love them, mm-hmm. and they're not perfect. Parents are never going to be perfect, but they love them. So you know, if, if you're a kid and you're listening to this, listen, respect your parents, and understand that, that they're trying. And you know, if you're maybe your parents, um, we didn't even hit that scripture. It's the it's the it's the it's the scripture with a promise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about respecting you along your days on yeah. the earth. It's a it's a commandment with a promise. Yep. When I was a kid, I just would think of that verse, and it's almost like I'd think, will it really? <laughs> and I guess one of these, and now I'm studying, I'm like, yes, it will. Yep. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see. But, uh, uh, you know, respect your parents um, and, and just understand that, you know, um, parents are all different, and they're your parents, and, you know, they may not seem like they're making, in, in a kid's eyes, they're going to say, my parents make terrible decisions, oh, they're yeah. being mean to me. They're not. I mean, just embrace that your parents correcting you. The fact that they're correcting you means they love you. Um, and, and I, I want to be bold for a second. If you're listening to this, and maybe your parents just don't make the biblical structure at home, um, we'll, we're praying for you. Absolutely, we're praying for you and your family. Um, and we'll do whatever we can to help. Um, we'll talk to your parents, whatever. I, I just I want to be bold because that's the truth right now. There, there are people, kids out there that have such a desire for God, and they're the only ones. Yeah. And they don't know what to do because they want to respect their parents, but at the same time, they know that their parents aren't making biblical decisions. And you know, I'll never try to correct anyone because one, 
I'm younger, but when when I see unbiblical parenting going on and people that don't can you know aren't concerned about the things of God, it breaks my heart because I see a child that wants it so bad and wants it for their family. But it's almost in a sense they're being hindered. You and know, it, when they turn 18 and they move out or they turn 19, when they move out, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've met tons of people here, right, that their parents are lost. And they talk about how they're witnessing to their parents and they invite our pastor to witness to their parents. And so um, that's the effects of the church. You know, we've had people grow up on the vans here and they're married now. And their parents may not still be in church, but they're here all the time. They've met their wives, their husbands, they have children here, they've grown up. And so I, I think there's something worth saying. You know, if you're a kid here, you're a student here, your parents may not go to church, they may not be faithful, you just keep hanging in there. Absolutely. And you, like Josh said, you keep keep Christ first, uh, all things will add up, and then you might just be the ones that lead your parents to Christ. And that support system w- is crucial. So get in, get plugged in. If it's not at uh, get plugged Chapel, in. if it's not at Watson's <laughs> Chapel, if, you, if your parents will let you, uh, we've got information on the website where you could uh, contact somebody to get a ride on the bus. We'll come get you. Uh, but if it's not here, get plugged in somewhere. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, guys, uh, does anybody else have anything they want to say? I think we're going to... We're I gonna, love my mama. <laughs> hey, me too. Um, we're going to cut this off. We've run out of time, but also they have wings after this. Shout out to our wings here. What does wings stand for, Zoe? Women in God's service. Hey, and if you are a lady that is a part of Watson's Chapel or you're a lady that lives in the local area of Madisonville or Sweetwater and you are looking for a place in an area that you can get plugged in uh, to be with fellow ladies but also serve or anything, uh, we want to give a shout-out to our Wings uh, group here. Come come hang out. Um, they talk about the Bible. I think they have, they have food and, and stuff. So uh, I've never been, obviously, because I'm not a lady, but I hear they have a blast. So um, shout-out to them. So, um, But if anybody don't have anything else, are we good? This is in our family structure, so this is so long from Hunter. So... Guys, God bless. bless. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.